0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Scores Podcast Inside College Admissions. On today's episode, our strategic advisor, Peter Van Buskirk, is going to interview one of our high school counselors. Peter is the owner and founder of Best College Fit and brings over 25 years of experience to college admissions. He's also a contributor to Scores Blog, so make sure you check out his work there, too. Now over to Peter for today's conversation.
1: Welcome to Inside College Admission, conversations with college advisors about matters affecting the college-going process. My name is Peter Van Buskirk, and I'm joined today by good friend Brennan Barnard, who is the Director of College Counseling and Outreach at the Dairy Fuel School up in New England. Welcome, Brennan.
0: Thanks, Peter. It's great to be here.
1: Glad you can be with us today. It's interesting these days that the normal conversations we might be having in person at conferences or during business to schools aren't taking place quite the way they had before. What are you noticing in terms of your life as opposed to the way it might have been a year ago? Indeed.
0: Yeah. I mean, I miss the interaction with with colleagues. I mean, I've been doing this Thursday Night Live webinar series and hosting college admission leaders, you know, and it, it's meant as a resource for students and parents and, and, and other counselors to kind of get the, the latest in terms of what's happening in admissions offices and policy and practice during this unique time. It's meant for them, but it's been really nice for me to connect with colleagues and friends and, and to spend an hour with them on a Thursday night, just kind of talking shop.
1: Well, there you go. Now, you and uh, Rick Clark at Georgia Tech are recent authors of a book, "The Truth About College Admission." The book comes out, and within months, we're hit by coronavirus. Do you, do you wish you could have your your manuscript back to add another chapter to at this point? Well,
0: I'm I'm just I I feel fortunate that it came out when it did, a year before this all, or you know, a couple months before this all all hit, because we had a chance to be out there talking with folks about it, but. You know, I think the, the enduring messages in the book are no different given the pandemic. I mean, it's the book is all about kind of intentional and meaningful way of going through college admission as a family or
1: with the, the people who support you. And, you know, that hasn't changed. Well, given what you've seen in the last eight to 10 months, if, if you were given the opportunity to add another chapter, what, what would you what would you address in that chapter?
0: I think it would be going deeper into issues of equity in terms of financial aid and that kind of thing we we could have written a whole another book on that and we we chose not to go too deep into that but I think the issue of equity and doing a deeper dive into the type of community and the people you wanna be surrounded by on campus. I think that's a really important consideration for students. And we talk about that in the book, but there's
1: always more that can be said about that. now, given the pandemic, all the, the formulas for finding that sense of community are difficult to find right now. The things that you might have experienced with college visits to the school, college fairs, college nights, students visiting college campuses, the kind of things that would lead to that a greater understanding are at least a thing of the recent past. How, how, how will you advise kids to research their colleges now and to arrive at that sense of community?
0: I've been um, I've been telling students to to dive deeper into kind of school mission statements, and also then not only just read the mission statement and understand it, but then to see how consistent those messages are in everything that the school is putting out in terms of their marketing, in terms of their communication and their their virtual events and all that kind of thing, in terms of their website, and just see you know is in talking to different people on campus is that message around what they value and, and how they identify as a campus, are those consistent, mm-hmm. right? So are, are you hearing the same messages from multiple people or does everybody have kind of a different version of what the school values or what the community is made of? And, you know, I've been telling students to, to utilize things like LinkedIn and Instagram pages and things like that and not just the kind of official – university Instagram feed and that kind of thing, but to go look at the clubs and organizations that they're interested in and look at the social media feeds of those organizations specifically.
1: What have you seen as, as maybe the biggest challenges, pandemic-related challenges that you've had to encounter in the last, you know, half year?
0: I think the inability to get on campus has been re- a real challenge for students because, you know, like we were just talking about, you can do a lot in terms of virtual visits and talking with people and everything like that. but some people me included I, I really sense things in a in a kind of a visceral way, so i need to I need to be in a place to get a sense for whether that feels right for me and I think um, some students are very much like that and and so that's been a huge challenge as students, you know, our seniors now who haven't visited a lot of the schools on their list and they're saying, I don't, I don't know if that's somewhere where I'm going to feel comfortable. Um, that sense of place is really kind of ambiguous. And so that's been a huge challenge. I think just keeping track of all the changing policies and practices and dates and, and all that kind of thing
1: have been challenging for students and for for us as counselors. Well, it's often been said that change on a college campus is glacial in nature. Things don't happen very fast. Well, that that glacier became a puddle this summer. So (laughs) (laughs) there's certainly a lot coming your way. In light of the fact that, that there's limited direct access, albeit there's still the opportunity through the internet, how do you find, students are, are, are coming to their lists. And I, I, I'm going to try to maybe be more specific in this regard. Sometimes I, I hear students say, well, these schools are on my list because I got them out of U.S. News & World Report, the ranking guide. How do you feel about that when, when you hear students uh, say, these are the top ranked schools, that's why they're on my list?
0: Quite honestly, it makes my
1: skin curl.
0: You know, and, and again, I could go on for, for two hours on the rankings, but I think that's taking the easy way out. It's letting somebody else make decisions for you, and it's relinquishing control in this, in this experience. I think for some students it's a starting point, but I just, I don't
1: think they have any role really in, in admission. Well, the, the rankings certainly are not student-centered in, in their orientation. So I'm wondering, kind of changing direction here a little bit, what you're hearing from colleges with regard to the status of testing, I know that in the last 10 months, there's been a 60% increase in the a percentage of colleges and universities that have gone test optional. I think for a lot of us, that's a big deal. Uh, two questions, really. How do your students respond to that? And and what do you see with regard to that movement in test option? Is that something that is significant on our landscape, or is that just a momentary blip?
0: I think it is something significant, and um, I think is really going to be a disruptor in a lot of ways. I think... <laughs> Despite that, there's a lot of skepticism, a lot of skepticism from students and parents about how authentic colleges are being in test optional policies. So, you know, a lot of my last couple months have been spent trying to assure students that optional does really mean optional and that you're not going to be disadvantaged for not having a test. You know, that being said, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, like, the University of California case and and their decisions around testing inform the whole testing landscape. I mean, I think we see more and more schools who are going to come out of this saying, well, we were able to do it, and we've enrolled a class that looks very similar to previous classes. So what is the role of testing in our uh, review? A number of schools are saying... Okay, well, let's. Um, if we're going to do this, let's give it a couple years and see how that, how that impacts things. I think it's a real opportunity as we, again, as we re- wrestle with issues of equity and racism and justice in, in college admission. I think it's hard to say we're committed to those things and then continue to prop up a test or a series of tests that perpetuate issues of injustice.
1: Well, and I think that, that's very well said. Uh, with regard to the current time and dealing with pandemic, one of the points of angst that I sense from families is our academic experience has been greatly disrupted over the last eight to 10 months. Will colleges know? Will colleges know that the spring kind of finished like a big fire drill and everybody scattered to the wind? Will colleges know that you know our classroom experience this fall doesn't resemble what we thought it would be? Will colleges know, et cetera. I think you and I would agree colleges will know, but how do, how do you provide that reassurance A to the families and how do you help to document what Dairy Field is doing on behalf of your kids?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's incumbent upon all of us to let colleges know.
1: First of all, colleges do know. I mean, this summer
0: at, at making Caring Common or actually it was the end of the last fall into the summer, we released a collective statement from deans and admission leaders from all over the country, which was called Care Counts in Crisis. It was admission leaders affirming that they get it and they do know and they, they understand that schools went past fail and they understand that students don't have access to testing and that internships were canceled and summer jobs and, and, and all that and activities and extracurriculars and that everybody's in the same boat and that they understand. In terms of our individual schools, I think it's important for us to make it really clear on our profiles what the situation is at our school or in our recommendation letters. I mean, at, at Dairy Field, we have put a cover sheet on our profile that basically says we, we did not go pass fail. We kept grading last spring, but kind of giving a, a quick snapshot of how things have changed at Dairy Field because of the pandemic and the fact that most of our students have had no access to testing because we're not a testing site and all the local schools have been, the local test centers have pretty much canceled. And so just kind of providing some of that detail. But then on an individual level, in recommendations and also working with students in their own statements to really highlight the ways that it's impacted them. If they've had a family member that's been sick or they've parent who's lost a job or those kind of things and really articulating those things.
1: When I talked with deans this last spring, I did a series of interviews similar to this with deans of admission about their experience. And I said, are you ready for a lot of coronavirus essays? And to a person, there would be a chuckle with, yeah, we expect that. But now with the optional essay to talk about COVID, it's not necessary that students would give their their full attention on the main application to coronavirus. But what are kids writing about this year? I mean, they're, they're living in an historic moment in our country, whether they understand it or, or the, the magnitude of it or not. Do they get it, and, and are they able to reflect on it well with their essays?
0: Yeah, you know, I've been talking with a, a number of colleagues about this, and we've all agreed that increasingly in the last couple of years, but especially this year, students seem to be so much more introspective, and I don't know if it's just the Having the time to step back because they're not racing from thing to thing, or whether or not it's just kind of this kind of existential confrontation of of life and their experience. But I I think students are in a different place of kind of looking inward and taking stock in things. And so I've seen some really thoughtful essays this year, and some students are writing about COVID, but kind of peripherally. I haven't seen a ton of this is how it's impacted me and this is this is how tough it's been but there have been a lot of just really thoughtful essays about the meaning of family and about the meaning of of slowing down and about the experiences they've had and how they how they've come to value
1: those in a much more intentional way mhm yeah I like your word choice there, intentional. I think that it would be a good thing for students to to find that sense of purpose, even more so than perhaps in the past, through the world in which they're living right now and their ability to articulate that. Now, about the admission process, we're right now on the precipice of a lot of deadlines, early decision, early action. Historically and statistically, early decision makes a difference for many students in the admission process. And this year is likely to be the case again. However, early decision in particular works on an assumption that the family in particular, the student, will have been able to thoroughly vet that institution by visiting, staying overnight, doing the class, all, all the traditional things. In the absence of that vetting process, what do we tell kids about early decision this year? Because colleges are going to come at them with that option.
0: Yeah, and they're going to come at them hard with that option. I mean, you know, some colleges are being pretty forthright about the the value of early decision. I've been I haven't really changed my messaging around early decision. You know, students shouldn't go looking for a school to apply early to that it needs to be more of an organic process where they they find a school that they feel like, you know, this is the place I really want to be. Some students are kind of having this discussion especially this year of I have these two or three schools, all of which I'd be really excited to go to, and so they're just saying, you know what, because of that, um, I know my odds might be increased by applying early decision, and so I'm going to pull the trigger and apply to one of them early decision. With early decision two, the second round of early decision, increasing in popularity and, and more and more schools having it and some schools adding it specifically this year because of the timeline and because of COVID. Some students are kind of playing that game, the the really strategic well, I know this school has early decision two, this one doesn't, so I'll apply here early decision one and see if I don't get into this school, then I'll apply to this school early decision two. And so I've tried to kind of back students off of that and return them to this kind of where do you see yourself and where do you want to be and let's start with that but I think some students are saying well you know what I'm not necessarily going to know anything more in April than I do now right like we see COVID spiking throughout the country it's unlikely that a lot of the admitted student days are going to happen right again this year and so so students saying well I I know I'm excited about these three or four schools. It, say I got into all of them. I'm gonna have to make this decision in the spring. Why not make it now and try to commit to a school because it, it helps me? And I and there's something to be said for that.
1: The, the flip side is that in the pandemic, there are bound to be families that are cautious in general about committing, early decision aside, uh, they, they see that their kids might be doing remote instruction for a period of time, some sort of a hybrid approach for a period of time, and then they notice that the price tag hasn't changed. Do you find that there are many families that are taking a more cautious look at the whole prospect of sending a child off to college with that kind of uncertainty for a year?
0: Not, not significantly, because in terms of a gap year, I think a lot of families are saying, well, if schools are gonna be remote, there's not a lot of options my student's going to have to do anything in a gap year, right? So are they going to take a year off from college just to kind of sit at home? Or do they do college, whether it's remote or in person, and be part of a cohort and make the best of the experience? And I I think more students and families are kind of opting for the second choice.
1: Do you see though that those concerns perhaps about the economy and or health are changing the geographic pattern of, of searches? Are people tending to stay closer to home and they're, they're looking at, at colleges or do you see no real effect? I
0: haven't I haven't really seen a huge shift in that, yeah. to be honest. Talking with colleagues, I know that's more of a trend mm-hmm. nationwide that I think students are seem to be kind of trending closer to home mm-hmm. just because of some of the uncertainty. I think finances are more of an issue for, for a lot of families, saying, you know, if I'm going to be
1: learning from home, what's the value in a certain school versus another school? A lot of things for families to think about now that may not have been part of the equation a, a year ago. Um, I'd like to wrap things up here by, by maybe taking a look at the students you may encounter who has a bewildered look. You know, the 16 or 17 year old who should be thinking excitedly about college, but is instead kind of looking in a worrisome way into the future, not knowing what that future will look like, wondering whether I can do this. How do you advise that student? How do you help that student find some sense of hope and direction?
0: I mean, I think this is this has been a really informative experience in helping students understand that life is not linear. Right, and that trying to take some of the pressure off of finding the kind of quote unquote perfect school and to kind of back off some of the expectation and some of the assumption that things are permanent right and there there is a huge lesson right now in the the nature of impermanence, and that you know if they if they make a decision and they go to a school that's not right, or they pursue a, a major that doesn't fit, then that's changeable, right? Like that they can shift what they've always expected or known as needed. And so I think taking some of the kind of grandiose nature of college admission and of this moment of transition and and choice, kind of backing off that a little and taking some of the pressure and letting some of the air out of the tires and say, you know. It's going to be all right. You're going to end up in the right place at the right time. And that's not going to be a direct path always. So I think, I think some students have really found comfort in that, that there's not one
1: way to do it. I think that is great advice. Each needs to find his or her own pathway in in this journey that is life. College is simply one part of that journey. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Brennan, for taking some time to chat with us today about the college admission process in the era of COVID-19. But your your students are certainly very fortunate to have you and your perspective with them along that journey. I hope that those who have been listening in today will will take some real solace in, in your comments as well.
0: Well, it, it all it all started with you, Peter. It all started with you. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you seeing something in me as a uh, as a high school student and admitting me to college.
1: Well, for those of you who don't know the between the lines, there uh, Brennan and I have a history that, that traces back to Franklin and Marshall College, when I was dean of admission, and, and he was one of our very strong candidates coming out of the Westtown School, and uh, we're not looking back on any of that right now with any regret. So, congratulations.
0: Thank you. I still I still have my acceptance letter with your handwritten note on it, Peter.
1: Well, I don't know what it's worth, but I'm glad it means something to you. So uh, thank you again for for joining us today and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. So in the meantime, be patient. Stay well. Take care. Bye.